Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. If you can tell by this recording, my voice is not the best, but I'm going to try and power through this episode. Normally I have some water. I've got some hot tea sitting by instead because we need to talk about the Grand Gathering 3 that took place this weekend. That's the big story. I'm going to go through my notes, give you all of the results that I have. There's a lot going on during Grand Gathering weekend. And because of that, these notes are not as complete as they normally would be. First, when you're there in person, there are a lot of people there, not only watching matches, but in the background having conversations, playing matches. It's very hard to hear what's going on. You could be eight feet away watching a match, and you can't hear anything the two people having the match are saying to each other, because it's just that loud. In addition, a lot of things are going on simultaneously. To give you an example, Sunday night, we had a tournament finals and three championship matches going on at one point. This is in addition to people playing last-minute matches for territory battles and other things like that. So if I'm incomplete in any of my notes, I'm sorry. Most of these matches were streamed live on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash SRGUniverse. They'll be on the channel for now, and then eventually they will be moved to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash srguniverse. So if you want to see any of these matches, one of the matches that happened to the Veterans Championship match, I saw a post on the Facebook group that the creator of the Veterans Championship wanted to see that match. He missed it live, but it is on Twitch somewhere. So those are out there for right now if you want to see and learn more about what happened. I don't have total attendance numbers, but I know it was over 100 people, well over 100 people at this event. We had people from all over the country, from New England to California to Florida. I know we had at least one Canadian player. So we just had people from all over. It's always great to meet and talk to people that you only get to talk to online. Having never been to the Huntsville events, I finally got to meet some people from the TBA. I got to play against the Mott Boys for the first time in a tag event. I sat down across from the Phil Birch in the hardcore. I got to meet a lot of the members of Dirty Jurors, people I just would never have a chance to normally because I don't get to go out to New Jersey or New England or New York or Florida. I'm pretty much in this area. Pretty much I've been to. Pittsburgh events, Michigan events, Cleveland events, Gen Con, Origins. I've been to Louisville, but that's pretty much the area I get to be in. So it's great that because that's in this area, because I was able to go to the Westlake location. That's where the Doubletree was. That's where Grand Gathering 3 was. I got to see all these people I normally would just never get to see because I'm never in their area. That's the great thing about Grand Gathering 3 and Grand Gatherings in general. 
that all these Super Show players get to come together and interact in person. You wish everyone could be there. There were some big names that couldn't be. Bob Dunn, because, you know, he's still recovering. Uh, Lucky Cat Nico. Even uh, the Dark Prince. A lot of these big names weren't there, but a lot of them were, and so it was great to see them all come together and just have a great time playing Super Show and getting to know or getting reacquainted with each other over the course of the weekend. I will also say, and I wasn't expecting this, I got thrown very early on into a couple of interview segments that Steve asked me to do for the SRG Facebook group. Wasn't expecting that. I hope I did a good job. I hope I didn't disappoint the fans of the Mudcast doing that. I enjoyed doing those, and we'll see if I get to do more of those in the future. There were a lot of new products released over the weekend. I'm looking at the website now, supershowthegame.com, looking at the new items. I believe everything listed on the uh, new items section of the website is what released. The only difference I can think of looking at it is there's a new competitor, the Zookeeper. They're only showing the vertical art competitor version of Zookeeper. There was a horizontal art that came out to that may have been exclusive to Grand Gathering 3. I don't know. Otherwise, everything else looks the same. The prices look the same except for when it comes to the old school bundle. I reported on that last week. It's $25 on the website, but it was $20 in person. Now, I know that was the case for Grand Gathering 3. I don't know if it will continue to be $20 at in-person events or if that was a Grand Gathering only thing. I can tell you that there were 900 old school packs at Grand Gathering 3 and they all sold out. They all sold out, I believe, early Saturday. To put it in perspective, the Dosmo deck challenge that required you to buy an old school pack ended up being sold and they took signups Friday instead of Saturday, the day the event was held, because they were in danger of selling out of old school packs before that event could happen. That's how quickly those packs sold out. Because there are a lot of good cards in there. They've previewed all of that on past Talk of the Universe episodes on Twitch. Check that out if you want to see what those cards are. I believe it was a week ago Wednesday at the time I'm recording this. That would be the 9th. That would be the 9th of March. That episode would be the episode where Griff came on and showed all the cards off. So that would be the one I would recommend checking out where Griff Briggs, the COO of SRG Universe, showed all the possible cards that would be in the old school packs. I did ask him a few questions to clarify. The old school packs will be continuously in print between now and the next wave of old school packs. So this is currently wave one. Wave two right now is scheduled to come out at Gen Con. So from now through Origins, the wave one packs will be available and they will keep printing them until the wave two comes out. And I would assume once wave two comes out, they'll keep selling wave one until they sell out of wave one. And then that's it. Wave one is done. There will be no more wave one cards. 
Wave 2, as I reported previously, will include the brand new Wave 1, 1 through 27s. It'll be half those and half brand new Wave 2. But the competitors will be completely out of print. You won't be able to get the new 6 Redux. You won't be able to get the brand new 6 competitors. That is going to do it for product talk, though. Let's go through the events and featured matches as best I can from Grand Gathering 3. We'll start Thursday night. Thursday night was the pre-show for Grand Gathering 3. They talked about maybe being able to get into the space, into the conference room, ballroom. I don't know what they call it. Whatever the case, SRG Universe was able to get access the space they booked at the Doubletree Hotel Friday through Sunday for Grand Gathering 3. They were able to get access Thursday night. So products went on sale. And we had events and featured matches. The opening match of Grand Gathering 3, the pre-show Thursday night match, was for the Midwest Coast Championship. The challenger, the foreman representing the universe, playing as Kenny Omega, took on the current champion, Chili Willy, a.k.a. The Grump, Danny Thunder, playing as The Grump. The winner and still champion, The Grump as The Grump. Now, there was some talk there would be additional Midwest Coast Championship matches over the weekend. Unfortunately, after Thursday night, the general manager of the Midwest Coast, one of them at least, Dave Marisak, who was going to be booking those matches, he was unable to attend the rest of Grand Gathering 3, and so there were no more Midwest Coast Championship defenses. That was it. The next featured match of the night, the Italian Bombada versus the Great Outdoors for naming rights. If the Bombada won the match, then the Great Outdoors would be known as the Mediocre Indoors until Origins. If the Great Outdoors won the match, the Italian Bombada would be known as Boom Bada until Origins. Square off standard singles match, Bombada playing as the Angler, the Great Outdoors playing as E.V. Laveau. It goes to crowd meter one, the winner, the Great Outdoors. So, from now until Origins in June, we must refer to the man formerly known as the Italian Mambada as Boombada. Then, Chibi, who normally hosts Thursday Night Fights online, hosted Thursday Night Fights in person at the Grand Gathering 3. He had 32 players sign up for the event. Divided them up into groups of four, so each player played the other people in their group, the other three. The best record out of the group went on to the top cut. Wasn't two players like normally, just one. So in the top eight, we have New York Rules. And I've been getting New York Rules wrong. I, for some reason, thought there were no countouts. There are countouts in New York Rules. I confirmed that with Boom Bada himself. I confirmed that with John P. So I'm sorry I've been reporting that wrong. I just misremembered it. That's my fault. You can blame me. Outlawmudcast at gmail.com for the scornful emails. 
Top eight's New York rules, so no DQ. Crowd meter starts at one. Top four, tables match. And the finals match was a cage match. The competitors in the top four were first tables match, the corrugated cardboard villain playing as Will Ospreay versus Jason Fosone playing as Kenta. The corrugated cardboard villain takes that one. The other match was Chris Pate playing as Sammy the Draw Callahan versus Alec Ventresca playing as brand new competitor Quadruple H. The winner, Alec Ventresca. So, Alec Ventresca takes on the corrugated cardboard villain in a steel cage match that goes all the way to crowd meter one. And the winner of the live in-person Chibi's Thursday Night Fights Alec Ventresca. Congratulations to him for winning the first tournament of Grand Gathering 3. This brings us to Friday, the opening match. And let me say this here. For the most part, this is going to be in chronological order. And there's going to be some jumps. Because while tournaments are going on, they're playing featured matches. And I know there's at least one match possibly more, where I didn't find out the result of the match until after the match happened. I just completely missed that it was going on. Because while there were featured matches that took place at the streaming table where they actually had entrances for those matches, there were others that didn't. And just with events going on and territory battles, I'll talk about territory battles. Actually, now's a good time to talk about territory battles and the Play Pure Championship. I'll start with territory battles. When you signed up, when you got to Grand Gathering 3, you checked in. They gave you your promos. They gave you a sheet for the territory battles. You would essentially put your name on the top of the sheet. You'd put what territory you were playing for. And for me, it'd be Michael Kirk and Midwest Coast. You had to play people that were not in your territory. So I would have to play, using myself as an example, either Tri-State or Deep South players. You could play them in any match. You could go play a pickup match against them. You could play a match in a tournament. So if you were in the Tornado Tag Tournament and you sat down against someone again in a different territory as you, and you said, hey, I want to make this a territory battle match. Are you okay with that? If they said yes, that match now also becomes a territory battle match. You write down what competitor you're using. You write down if you won or lost, and you wrote down your opponent's name. You scored a point for your territory if you won. You lost a point for your territory if you lost. There were also points being given out if you made top cuts, if you made the top eight, four, if you made the final table, if you won. You scored points for your territory. There were spots on the territory battle sheet for 10 matches. I don't know if you would be allowed to play more. I did not play all 10, so I never asked about it. I just didn't find the time to get all 10 in. I got six in. And then at the end of the tournament, or when you were going to leave, you turned that sheet in to the general manager, and he'll total up the points, including whatever points you earn for those top finishes and they will declare at a future point who won the territory battle. 
I don't know who won the territory battle. No clue. I don't even know if we'll know by Wednesday. It might be a week or more. Who knows when the drum manager, John Clays, who's tallying that up, will get around to figuring that out. The Play Pure tournament also kicked off. Jeremy Steigerwald had a list of everyone who was attending Grand Gathering 3, everyone who bought a ticket. He broke them up into matchups, into brackets. At the same time, you got your territory battle sheet, you got your play pure sheet. You wrote your deck list out, you gave that to Jeremy Steigerwald. When the second player in the matchup turned in their play pure sheet, that is when Jeremy Steigerwald would give that second person the opponent so they could have their match. You were supposed to have your first two matches done by Saturday morning. Second two, I believe, done by Sunday morning. It was a single elimination tournament all the way through. I'll talk about it a little more when we get to the finals, but based on discussions I had with Jeremy Stugwald, he'll never do this format again. There were a lot of complications with it. A lot of people declined to participate in the Play Pure Championship. So that ended up causing a lot of problems for Jeremy Steigerwald personally. I just want to say I appreciate everything Jeremy Steigerwald tried to do and everything he does. I don't want to see any grief put on him. And so, Jeremy, we all appreciate you. Just I want to put that out there. We appreciate everything you do for this community, for everything you give for Super Show the Game. And so keep your chin up. I know you were. Very unhappy when I talked to you about Play Pure as the weekend progressed. Keep your chin up. All right. Now let's get to Friday. First featured match of Friday the Tornado Tag Team Championship Fatal Four Way Match. The champion, Alec V, playing as El Super Sons, versus Mark Perry, playing as F and Impact, versus Emo Mam playing as the second version of Sweet Innuendos, versus Jason Fosson, playing as Twisted Aggression. Crowd Meter Zero match. Ema Mam's gimmick copies Alec Ventresca's gimmick, so she gets to use her keywords with his gimmick. Mark Perry hits the finish. Nobody elects to basically bury their hand to stop the finish even though I believe one player could have. I believe only one of the two players decides to make save rolls. It's a low finish roll, but then the breakout rolls are even lower, and so the winner and new champion, Mark Perry with F and Impact. Mark Perry becomes the LFF Tornado Tag Team Champion. Congratulations to Mark Perry for your victory. Next featured match. What I thought was going to be the first featured match ended up being the second on Friday. The LFF Trios Championship. The challenger Chugonomics with Warlords of the Sea. The champion Bobby Ohio with Firing Squad. Another crowd meter zero match. The winner, new champion Chugonomics. Congratulations to Chugonomics for taking it with your own creation, Warlords of the Sea. Next up. The LFF Tri-State Championship match. The challenger, new member of the Tri-State, 
the big guy playing as himself, the champion, John Polverino playing as the new version of Alien Invader. They square off New York rules match as always. The winner here, still champion, John Polverino. Congratulations to him. Next up, the first of three potential Deep Six Championship matches. Yasmin, the champion, going in. She's going to get a match Friday. This is the first one. If she wins, she'll get a championship match on Saturday. If she wins, she'll have to defend on Sunday. So potentially three championship matches for Yasmin. Our first opponent representing TVA out of Alabama. Drew Madsen playing as Master Osmodius, the Keeper of Prisoners. She is, of course, champion with Amazing Red. Main event match goes all the way to crowd meter four. The winner, still champion, Yasmin. She will have to defend on Saturday. This brings us to the first tournament of Friday, the Trios Tournament. Double elimination tournament. 67 players in four-player pods. So, people were divided up into groups of four. The first match for the group was set. I'll use my group as an example. Chris Pate, Chugonomics, Corrugated Cardboard Villain, and myself. I was matched up with Corrugated Cardboard Villain. Chris Pate was matched up with Chugonomics. At the end of those matches, the winners face the winners, the losers face the losers. At the end of those matches, you would have one person who's undefeated. They moved on to the top cut. You'd have two people with a one-and-one one record. They face off. The winner also moves on to the top cut. The first match in the top cut, and I believe it was a top 34, the match started at crowd meter three using the trio's crowd meter. Next round of the top cut, matches started at crowd meter one. Next match, same thing. And it kept going like that. Buys were necessary until we got to the finals. Now, and this happened quite a bit during Grand Gathering 3, the tournament does not complete in the initial time window. It's put on pause. We now have these six stop tournament starts. Eventually, we will go back to the trios tournament and finish it out. Six stop tournament has 89 players. Double elimination. All the way through, the winner of the winner's bracket ends up being John Polverino, playing as Mark F. and Perry. And then we have to wait to find out who is going to come out of the loser's bracket. So that tournament gets stalled out for a while. That brings us to the Cookies Fortune Tournament. 120 players in the Cookies Fortune Tournament. Six player pods. Each player plays the other five in their player. That's how it's divided up. 120. So 20 groups of six. Again, each person plays the other in the group. So you play five matches. Best two records per group after diversity. Move on to the top cut. Diversity is this. If multiple players are playing the same competitor and they would move on, the best record moves on and the rest do not. If the two best records are tied, they play off. Winner moves on, losers out of the tournament. Ends up being a top 32 
after all the pods are done, after all the play-in matches. First round, steel cage matches. Second round, top 16, all tables matches. In the first two rounds, if you'd gone undefeated through your pods and then through the 16, sorry, through the 32 and then through the 16, you had earned a general manager's favor, which you could use to change it from a stipulation match to a standard singles match. While this was going on, the LFF Triad Championship match happens. The champion, the cannoli playing as himself, takes on challengers, Brian Waitford Schmidt playing as himself, and Eddie Fury playing as a version of himself, the jerk of Cirque competitor. Relatively short match, I think it was only about 10 turns, goes to crowd meter zero, the winner who won about six of those turns, still champion, the cannoli, congratulations to cannoli for his victory. Back to the Cookies Fortune Tournament, we have the top eight, top eight matches are all steel chain matches. While the Cookies Fortune is going on, the trios tournament starts to wrap up. We end up with a top five in the trios tournament. We have John Polverino take on the big guy. We have Simple Chuck take on Zach Ashley. And the Cheetah gets a bye into the finals. The finals ends up being a triad trios match. The Cheetah playing as MWO versus John Polverino playing as Band of Brothers versus Simple Chuck playing as the higher class. The match goes to crowd meter two. The winner of the trios tournament. The Cheetah with MWO. Congratulations to the Cheetah for his victory. Now we go back to the Cookies Fortune Tournament. Top four. Top four in the tournament are Simon Davner, the prize fighter, playing as Gia de los Muertos, versus Yasmin, playing as her own creation, the Runtime Terror. Yasmin had the opportunity to call out her opponent, she chose to call out Simon Davner. That's why they had the match. It worked for her because she won. She went on to the finals. Other semifinal match in Cookie's Fortune, Kirk Polka playing as his newest creation, Penelope, Queen of Cupcakes, takes on the Grump, playing as Funtime Bob. The Grump wins, so the Grump versus Yasmin in the finals of the Cookie's Fortune tournament. This was a main event stipulation match that went all the way to crowd meter five. The winner and new holder of the Cookies Fortune, the Grump Danny Thunder. Congratulations to the Grump for obtaining such a huge prize. This does it for the events on Friday. Now we move into Saturday. Saturday, we start off first featured match, the LFF Tri-State tag team championship match. I'm not sure if I have the name of this tag team right. I've heard it a couple different ways. Cold Candy or Cold Candy Crush. But it's the tag team of Candyman Dan playing as Fortress and Le Penguin playing as the Witch's Apprentice. They are your champions. They take on the Pax Unplugged tag team tournament winners howling at the Golden Moon. Johnny Eldorado playing as Primalata and Lobo Suicida playing as Johnny Eldorado. 
I don't have a lot of information about what was going on in this match. I was actually doing the last filming segment that I did that weekend with the SRG boss. And while we were doing this, A, Candyman Dan and the Penguin won. They successfully defended. And B, afterwards, the Penguin asked his current girlfriend, the Empress, to marry him. She agreed. They are now engaged. Congratulations to them. Just another memorable thing in the chaos of Grand Gathering 3. Again, very happy for them. Next up, the tag team tournament starts. Double elimination tournament. Each match has a 40-minute time limit. If after 40 minutes your match is still going on, everyone's gimmick becomes blank. The crowd meter jumps up to crowd meter 6. There were 52 teams in the tournament, meaning 104 players. While this tournament is going on, we have the LFF Underworld Championship. The challenger, the prize fighter, Simon Davner, with the original Brian Cage, a.k.a. Brian Cage is the effing machine. The champion, Johnny Correa, playing as Ra Ra Perry. This is a last competitor standing match. Just going from memory, when one player hits a finish, the other player gets 10 breakout rolls. If they roll their highest skill, might be highest printed skill, but if they roll the highest skill, they break out. For every breakout roll that's made, the person who hits the finish gets to choose a source of cards, either hand, discard pile, or top of deck. The opponent reveals the cards from the source chosen. If it's a finish, it gets removed from the game. So if through this process, all of the finishes get removed from the game, the person with the finish wins by special finish. And as the crowd meter goes deeper, the number of cards revealed goes up. So it makes it more likely that finishes get removed from the game. And also, if you can't break out in the 10 breakout rolls, you lose that way too. So match goes to crowd meter four. No finishes get removed from either side the whole game. Instead, it's a 10 count. Player hits the finish. The other player cannot break out in 10. So the winner and new LFF Underworld Champion, the prize fighter Simon Davner, congratulations to Simon Davner for holding the most prestigious championship in the legendary fighting federation. The hardcore tournament also kicks off around this time. As teams are getting eliminated, Mark Perry, the general manager of the hardcore division, he's running this tournament. He starts taking signups, pods of six. You're either going to be playing tables, ladders, and chains, or you're going to be playing sticks, stairs, and chairs. So if you're in a TLC pod, he pairs you up in singles matches. One will use the table stipulation. One will use the ladders. One will use the steel chain. The winners of those go into a triad match using the TLC stipulation. If you're in the stick, stairs, and chairs pod, again, he matches the six players up in three singles matches. One will use the kendo stick stipulation. One, the ring step stipulation. One, the steel chair stipulation. 
The winners of those will square off in a triad match using the sticks, stairs, and chair stipulation. The winners of the triad matches go to the top cut of the hardcore tournaments. While that's going on, we'll go back to the tag team tournament. It ends up with a top 12. I'm a little unclear here. I think there's a bye for four teams, and then the other eight play off. The four teams that made the top 12, but not the top eight, are Dancing Fools, the team of Jokerfish and King Carcosa. Biggest Body System, Bobby Ohio and the Big Guy. The Duo Decimal System, the Grim Librarian and the Cannoli, and the Retired Assassins. The Harm City Hitman, Andrew Mechie, and Alec Ventresca. Here are your top eight teams. I'm going to give them in matchup order, and then the winners. The first two teams in the top eight were the team of Gay Pride. Pride playing as himself, corrugated cardboard villain playing as Ricky Riot. They took on the Transatlantic Express. Hold the Line Harry playing as Big Shot. Practicite playing as Zonda. The winners there, the Transatlantic Express. Next up, the Dangerous Alliance. Chris Pate playing as Ricky Riot. Sean Loeb playing as Robert the Brain Dunn. They take on Carnage Brothers. Split playing as Johnny Korea and Eddie Fury playing as Jay White. The winner there, the Carnage Brothers. Next matchup, Loud and Grumpy. The team of Loudmouth Leo Larynx playing as New Jack and the Grump Danny Thunder playing as the second version of General Manager John Clace. They're taking on C-Infinity. The team of Colin Simon, Colin the Chrononaut, playing as the original Colt Cabana, and Doug, Jess Doug, playing as Robert the Brain Dunn. C-Infinity wins that match. And the final match of the top eight, Flightless Phenoms, by Penguin, playing as Cactus Sack, the original Cactus Sack, and Jason Fosson, playing as the player of the era. They take on Young, Smart, and Rich, the Screaming Danshee as himself, and Wrench Monkey as himself. The winners there, the Flightless Phenoms. Top four is C-Infinity versus the Carnage Brothers. C-Infinity goes over. And then Transatlantic Express versus Flightless Phenoms. Transatlantic Express goes over. So, C-Infinity, brand new tag team versus Transatlantic Express veteran tag team in the finals. While this is going on, the Deep South Championship is defended. I don't know if there's a stipulation. I don't believe there was. The champion, Prince Butters with Unicorn Princess takes on challenger Kirk Polka, playing as Penelope, Queen of Cupcakes. The winner at crowd meter four, still champion Prince Butters. Congratulations to him. Next up, we have the six stop finals. We knew John Pulverino, press 1P, was the winner of the winner's bracket, playing as Mark F. and Perry. The other person to come out of the loser's bracket Yasmeen, the current six-stop champion, she's using Pretty Boy Snow. Because it is a double elimination tournament, Yasmeen must win twice 
to win the tournament. I don't have a bunch of details here. I know that Yasmin wins the first fall. So they go to the second fall. Whoever wins, wins the whole tournament. The winner of the second fall, John Pulverino. So John Pulverino will end up, assuming Yasmin wins her second defense Saturday, he will take her on Sunday for the Deep Six Championship. Back to the tag team finals. C-Infinity versus the Transatlantic Express. This match goes to crowd meter two. The winners, C-Infinity, brand new tag team, wins the tag team tournament. Now, I hadn't mentioned this before, but every one of these tournaments, except for the Cookies Fortune tournament, the winners get a shot at that championship. So Trios tournament winner gets a shot at the Trios belt. Six-stop winner gets a shot at the six-stop belt. Hardcore winner will get a hardcore belt shot. Tag winners will get a tag belt shot, so on and so forth. So every time they win, they're not just winning the tournament. They're winning a shot at that championship. So congratulations to them. The hardcore finals. Now, originally it was scheduled that on Saturday would be all the pods for the hardcore. And then on Sunday would be the final hardcore but they just had it all on Saturday. So, top six. There end up only being, I guess, 36 players in the hardcore. And so they have six winners. Those six winners are put in a TLC pod. Meaning two of them faced off in a tables match, two in a ladder match, two in a steel chain match. I don't know who those matchups were. I can tell you that the winners were Max Carnage, a.k.a. The Empress playing as El Superombre, Candyman Dan playing as Sabu, and the frequent flyer playing as Flip Gordon. I believe the new version, the mercenary Flip Gordon. So they face off in a triad match, but it's only a no-DQ triad match. From what I understand, it was not a TLC match, not a tables, ladders, chains match. The winner pinning Candyman Dan, their frequent flyer, so he will get a shot at the LFF Hardcore Championship at some point in the future. Congratulations to him for that victory. This brings us to the second six-stop championship match of the weekend. Now, I don't know when this actually happened. I didn't witness it. I found out about it after the fact. But because he'd gone 8-2 and two in tournament play earlier, and I should go ahead and talk about this now. I hadn't been talking about this. We had a couple guests for the weekend. We had three people in total. Brimstone, Flip Gordon, and Madman Fulton. Brimstone and Flip Gordon were advertised for Friday. Madman Fulton for Saturday. Madman Fulton was only there for Saturday. I believe Flip Gordon was there Friday and Saturday. Well, obviously, because I'm about to report on his match. And I think Brimstone was there all weekend. Not 100% on those. I know they were definitely there Friday and Saturday, Brimstone and Flip Gordon. I know Madman was there Saturday. But Flip Gordon ends up taking on champion Yasmin for the six-stop championship, the deep six championship. Again, she's playing as Amazing Red, and she retains. She's the champion going into Sunday. She will take on John Pulverino on Sunday. Grand battle. This was a long match. 
First off, we had entrances. Everybody got their own entrance to their own entrance music. A lot of great entrances. A lot of people really showing a lot of flair. To me, the entrance of the night, Johnny Korea. Johnny Korea, of course, he can't see you. Johnny Korea enters through the wrong door. To me, blew me away. Great entrance. Loved it. Big Guy had a great entrance. Jeff Delisle had a great entrance. So many great entrances in the tournament. There end up being, by my count, 132 players. There were 11 groups, A through K. 12 players per group, so that's 132. And then each group was divided into two pods. Every person in the group was numbered 1 through 12. 1 through 6 was in the first pod. 7 through 12 was in the other. And they just played in a grand battle match. And your number was your entrant number. For the first half, the first two were the first entrance. It went 3, 4, 5, 6. For the second half, 7 and 8 were the first two. 9, 10, 11, and 12 entered in that order. One person, one per group. I tried to record it. Too much chaos. I know players like the Grump, Boombada, Practicite, Kirk Polka, Chris Pate, the Meeple Craig Brett, King Greatness, Screaming Danchi. Players like that made it. I'll give you the top four. I know Candyman Dan made it. But I can't give you all of them. It ends up being 22 winners out of the first Grand Battle set. So we have two groups of six, two groups of five in Grand Battle matches, which will give us a top four that square off in a final Grand Battle match. I'll give you the result of that when I get to it. But next up, we have another featured match. This was the hair versus hair match. Eddie Fury playing as himself versus Phil Birch playing as Johnny Korea. This was a tables, ladders, and chains match with a last-minute special guest referee selected by Eddie Fury, Booker Mania. Booker Mania is the special guest referee, which pretty much negates the Johnny Korea gimmick Phil Birch would be using in the match. The match goes to crowd meter six. The winner, Eddie Fury. Afterwards, though, it is discovered that Eddie Fury had cards up his sleeve. And so, the result is reversed, and Phil Birch is given the win. I don't know how that can happen, considering it's a no-disqualification match, but somehow it does. And so Eddie Fury gets a nice buzz cut, and all that long hair is gone. This brings us back to the final table in the grand battle. The final four are Joker Fish, playing as himself, the second version of Joker Fish. The star maker, Everett Stevens, playing as the Mark Jeff Bravo. Candyman Dan playing as Fortress, and the Penguin playing as Mr. Pop and Twist. This does go the distance because in Grand Battle, every six turn rolls, you increase the crowd meter. So this does go all the way to crowd meter five. The first man out, I believe before crowd meter five, the Penguin. The second man out, Candyman Dan. So it comes down to the Star Maker. Versus Joker Fish. And the winner 
who I believe was the second overall pick in the competitor draft for the grand battle, the star maker Everett Stevens. Congratulations to him for winning the grand battle. He will get a shot at the LFF World Heavyweight Championship because of this victory. The final featured match for Saturday, General Manager John Calace versus former General Manager of the Tornado Tag Team Division, James Booker. The new general manager, by the way, is the Fireball. These two men square off. They decide to put the following on the line. If the general manager, John Clace, wins, he gets to choose one member of James Booker's faction impact and essentially take that man. He will take that man upon conclusion of the faction wars he will have that man until the next faction war starts with the option, if both people agree, for that person to stay in the higher class. John Clay's made it very clear if he won, he was going to take John Pulverino and put him in the higher class. If James Booker wins this match, he gets to book all of the featured matches, all of the championship matches for Origins game fair. So huge stakes on the line. This match went on very late into the night, past 1 a.m. I believe. The winner at crowd meter 2, James Booker. So James Booker will get to book the entire match card at Origins. Huge win for James Booker. Congratulations. That does it for Saturday. I will make one little note. The Dosmo Deck Challenge happened here. There wasn't an overall Dosmo Deck Challenge winner. The way this worked was this. You purchased an old school pack. When you signed up, you got a sealed pack with two competitor sets in it. You used the old school deck and used a singles competitor out of one of the three competitors you got between the old school pack and the sealed pack. Now, it was possible that your sealed pack contained Tornado Tag or Trios competitors. What you had to do is you had to play as a singles competitor and you had to use a set of finishes from one of the other two competitors you didn't choose. So you could be in a situation where you are playing a singles competitor and using Tornado Tag or Trio's finishers. You were divided up into groups of four. You played the other three in the group. You were given prizes at the end. There was a draft for prizing based on best record. And that's what happened there. No overall winner, just sort of a little draft thing for fun with some nice prizes. And everyone got a participation full art card, either full Nelson or Alien Invasion. This brings us to Sunday. Only one tournament now on Sunday, the Tornado Tag Team Tournament, because the hardcore finished up Saturday. First featured match, the Player of the Era match. The first ever Player of the Era, John Polverino, takes on the second Player of the Era, Kirk Polka. Two out of three falls match. First person to win two falls Wins the whole thing. John Polverino is playing as his creation, the Pulverizer. 
Kirk Polka playing as Chloe Mai, another of his creations. The first fall winner is John Pulverino, and the second fall winner is John Pulverino. John Pulverino wins the first two, and he wins this Player of the Era match. Congratulations to him. This brings us to the Tornado Tag Team Tournament. 58 players, bullet rounds, double elimination. Bullet rounds means that when you finish your match and you report your results to, in this case, the general manager, John Clacy, was running it, he will pair you up almost immediately with somebody else who was waiting for a match. The first match pairings were set by him, and then as you won or lost, you went up, told him your results, he put you in a match. They end up having a top cut of 22 players when it's all said and done, and then it's just single elimination to the finals. While the Tornado Tag Team Tournament is going on, the inaugural Veterans Championship match happens. There were two tournaments to determine the contenders for the Veterans Championship. The first tournament, I believe, was won by the star maker Everett Stevens. The second was won by Greg Shockley. So they face off to crown the inaugural Veterans Champion. Greg Shockley is playing as the man from IT. Star maker Everett Stevens is playing as the Phoenix EV Fresh. The winner here and first ever Veterans Champion, Greg Shockley. Congratulations to him for winning that belt. Next up, and we have a series of LFF Championship matches and featured matches next. First, we have the LFF Hardcore Championship. No disqualification is the stipulation. The challenger, Sherry Von Danish, playing as Danhausen. The champion, Harvey Lester, playing as Scott Prime. Match goes to crowd meter two. The winner, still champion, Harvey Lester. Then we have one of the big five, the LFF Tag Team Championship. The challengers, Loud and Grumpy. Loudmouth Leo Larynx playing as Drunken Master who flips to the Zen Master. And Chili Willy, a.k.a. the Grump Danny Thunder playing as Amazing Red. The Champions, Dangerous Alliance. Chris Pate playing as Big Bad Bobby D. Sean Lowe playing as Combat Chris. I don't have a crowd meter on this. I don't have a stipulation. I don't believe there was one. The winner here, still champion. Dangerous Alliance. Congratulations to them for their victory. Next up, the LFF Tri-State Championship, Singles Championship, is on the line. The challenger, the hidden threat, Matt Haas, playing as Sabu. The champion, John Press 1P, playing as the new version of the Alien Invader. They square off New York rules, as always. Crowd meter two, the winner, still champion, John Press 1P. We have another defense of the Deep South Championship. Zach Ashley, the challenger with the Phoenix EV Fresh, takes on champion Prince Butters playing as the Unicorn Princess. The winner, no crowd meter. I don't have that. No stipulation. I don't have it if there was a stipulation or not, but the winner still champion, Prince Butters. We have a Midwest Coast Tag Team Championship defense. I didn't know this was going on. I completely missed it. 
So I don't know when this actually happened. I believe it was Sunday. The challengers, Mark Perry and Colin Simon, no idea who they played as. Took on the champions, James Booker and Neil Nealon. The match went to crowd meter five. The winners, still champions, James Booker and Neil Nealon. Congratulations to them for that win. This brings us to the LFF World Heavyweight Championship match. The challenger, Matt Nealon with the trash man. The champion, Big Match Pete with the first version of Colt Cabana. And in a surprise, cashing in a Master of Ceremonies card, the Grump Danny Thunder playing as the ultimate Grump. It becomes a triad match. The match goes to crowd meter two. Matt Nealon hits a finish. Big Match Pete attempts to break out. The Grump does not assist his fellow faction mates in the higher class until the final breakout roll. But by then it is too late. Big Match Pete does not break out. The winner, I believe, with only a seven, Matt Nealon. Matt Nealon is the new Legendary Fighting Federation World Heavyweight Champion. Congratulations to Matt Nealon. Second bite of the apple tastes sweet for Matt Nealon because he is now the LFF World Heavyweight Champion, holding the biggest belt in the Legendary Fighting Federation. This brings us back to the finals of the Tornado Tag Team Tournament, the last tournament of Grand Gathering 3. The finalists are the big guy playing his new Tornado Tag Team competitor, Big Money, and the Cannoli playing as the duo decimal system. So both finalists playing as Tornado Tag Teams featuring themselves. All I know is that the winner who will get a future Tornado Tag Team title shot, your triad champion, the Cannoli. Congratulations to the Cannoli for the win. Next up, I think I'll talk about the Play Peer Finals because all of these next things are happening pretty much at the same time. We have the Play Pure Tournament Finals. The two people who make it all the way through are Jeff Delisle playing as Jamie Senegal and Candyman Dan playing as Johnny T. Play Pure, as a reminder, no entrances, no spectacles, no skill requirement cards. Standard singles match that goes to crowd meter three. The winner of the Play Pure Championship, Candyman Dan. So. Play Pure Championship returns to the Candy household. Candy Man being a previous Play Pure Champion. Now, Candyman Dan holds that prize. This match I completely missed. I heard about it afterwards. It was only about three turns. The LFF United States Championship. The challenger, Ken Fouché with the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Super Show. Champion Colin the Chrononaut playing as himself. Match again, only about three turns. Crowd meter zero. The winner, new champion Ken Fouché. And then the final thing to conclude was Yasmin's last defense of the Deep Six Championship. Main event stipulation here the challenger, because he won the six stop tournament, John Polverino. Using Mark F. and Perry takes on Yasmin using Amazing Red. 
It's a main event stipulation match. I don't recall what the crowd meter was. I do know it had reached the point where if you were going to break out and the finish roll was over 10, you had to roll your highest skill on either the second or third breakout roll to break out. Yasmin hits the finish. John Poverino does not roll that skill on the second or third. And so Yasmin successfully defends her belt three times. The winningest Deep Six champion. Congratulations to her for that defense. And that is it. That is the final featured match event. That is the wrap-up of Grand Gathering there were a lot of other things that went on that I didn't get to report on. There may have been things that I missed. I apologize for that. I know that there were after dark festivities that I was not a part of. But this is it. This is the bulk of what happened at Grand Gathering 3. Again, it was great getting to interact with all these people that I only get to see through a screen or on posts on a discussion group in person. I hope to see all of you again soon. I know the next big thing coming up in Louisville, Kentucky, Misos Games, April 15th, is going to be holding a creative competitor tournament. And then after that, the next big thing is Origins Game Fair in June. I don't know if we'll see something happen between that time. But those are the next big things. I only have one tournament result to report from this last week. That was the last Monday Night Consigliere fights. It was a play pure event. So you had to use the same rules as you do during the play pure tournament that I talked about earlier. 20 players. Four groups, five players per group. Top two per group advanced to the top cuts. The top eight were... Loudmouth Leo Larynx playing his Uncle Awesome. Candyman Dan playing his Pulverizer in 7th. Brett the Metalhead as Master Dosmodius in 6th. Boom Bada in 5th as the Witch's Apprentice. Matthew Gordon as Runtime Terror in 4th place. Ken Fouché as Gogo in 3rd place. Lucky Cat Nico. Your runner-up with Fast Hands Cam and the winner... Playing as Kaiser Wolf, the Harm City hitman, Andrew Mecki. Congratulations to him for that victory. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. There were no Sunday night fights because we were in uh, Westlake, Ohio on Sunday. Brian Schmidt and the whole crew. So that's what got streamed. No Sunday night fights. No news on what's going on for next week's Sunday Night Fights. As far as upcoming tournaments, there is currently nothing posted on Supershowthegame.com. I would seriously doubt if there's going to be a Monday Night Consigliere Fights or something equivalent. Maybe something will get posted, but as of right now, nothing is there. Dojo? I would likely see Dojo happen Tuesday. Again, no announcement. And then will there be a Thursday night event? Probably, but again, no announcement, no news. 
But if you want to participate in any of that, look for that on the SRG Super Show discussion group on Facebook or check out supershowthegame.com, the online events section under the shop section. Also, I did float the idea of doing a rule show with Steve Resk. He's open to it. Nothing more, no more details than that. While I was editing the podcast, there were a couple of things I wanted to mention. First, obvious by now, there were no Monday Night Consigliere fights. That makes sense with all the travel and I'm sure setup and all the things revolving around that. It doesn't make sense to have Monday Night Fights. It didn't happen. I've also now seen reports that there will not be Dojo Tuesday night. I'd keep a lookout. If you're interested in Dojo, but it may not happen, be prepared for that. Got Next may happen Tuesday night. Watch for that. No news on Thursday. Listening back, I went through a whole thing about how you could see what the cards were in the old school packs by going to Twitch. It's on Supershowthegame.com. Supershowthegame.com under the shop section. There's an old school pack section. It shows all the cards in there. So you don't have to go to Twitch and try to watch it on Twitch. It's posted on Super Show the Game. I'm sorry about that. I should have mentioned that. I didn't remember it at the time. I remembered it while I was going back through the show. There were a few other things with product I wanted to mention. First, there was an apparel promo at Grand Gathering 3. If you bought apparel, you received a competitor-only copy, no finishes, competitor-only copy of Team Valiant. This Team Valiant differs slightly from the original. The original had the logos of El Super Ombre, the Rising Sun, and EDM. While those three competitors are featured on the art, this actually has the logos for El Super Ombre, the Rising Sun, and Masked Llama. Also, in Mystery Boxes, debuting at Grand Gathering 3 and going forward, there's a new set of blank competitor cards. Previously, we had El Super Ombre, Snake Pit, The Rising Sun, Big Shot, Sage, and Polly the Pigeon Bacone. These were competitor sets that were blank. The idea is you could have art commissioned to be drawn on them. I don't know who's going to be in this new wave. I have seen Ikuzo Sage. I have seen Alien Invader, the new Alien Invader, on these cards. I have seen blank competitor cards for them with the 2020 gimmick on them. So the Alien Invader says three times per match now. The Ikuzo Sage one says three times per match. I don't know how many are in the wave total, but they are in mystery boxes, and those mystery boxes are in circulation. I don't know if they've hit the website yet, but they were available for sale at Grand Gathering 3. And then finally, I got to listen to part of one of the broadcasts I did, the last one I did, the one featuring Penguin and Empress. I apologize for the audio quality. 
I guess I just wasn't projecting enough. I was not loud enough to really be heard. So I'm sorry for that. That also should help give you an idea of how loud it was at Grand Gathering 3. That it was hard to hear me. I wish the audio quality would have been better. And I hope that doesn't ruin my chances of being able to do things like that again because I really enjoy it. We'll have to see though. With that being said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I would like to thank all of you for listening. And good day.